Welcome to the Humanist at Work podcast. I am Simon Abramovich, a sixth-year PhD candidate in the English department at the University of California, Davis. I'm also a member of the Humanist at Work Graduate Advisory Committee. Today, we are discussing the UC Davis Mellon Public Scholars Program. Joining me are Molly McCarthy, Associate Director of the UC Davis Humanities Institute, and John Marks, Professor of English at UC Davis. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. So this spring, the UC Davis Humanities Institute welcomes the first cohort of the Mellon Public Scholars Program. And here's a short description of the program from the website. The program is aimed at introducing graduate students to the intellectual and practical aspects of identifying, addressing, and collaborating with members of a public through their scholarship. And so why don't you first tell us a little bit more about the program, who it's for, how it will work. Well, I, I think the obvious uh, first group of participants are our graduate students, uh, both UC Davis participants and uh, other graduate students across the UC system. Uh, those are our primary audience. Uh, but uh, in addition to, um, they are the public scholars themselves who will be participating in the spring seminar uh, and developing community projects um, that they will conduct in the summer following the seminar. Um, I say primary because we're very interested in helping them uh, think more broadly about their, the ways that they engage with the humanities and how their work might uh, speak or uh, translate to a larger public. Um, but there are also um, the who uh, is also um, our community partners, um, and those networks are now being developed in addition to faculty who will be mentoring these students. So I really like this triangulation mm -hmm. um, and think it really um, is a wonderful way to um, uh, make the public scholars program very broad in its impact um, and deep, uh, both at UC Davis and uh, across the UC. I mean, I think the only thing I would add to underscore is, is the interest in, in helping graduate students and faculty members think a little bit more flexibly about the kinds of audiences for humanities scholarship, which, although public intellectual is an old term mm -hmm. uh, and suggests an old problem, seems kind of evergreen in a lot of the fields that fit into the humanities, that it seems very difficult to remember that we collectively have a number of ways of addressing a number of different kinds of audiences. And so a limited sense of what a dissertation can be, a limited sense of what scholarly production can be, um, seems to stay with us, even though you know, we have these alternative means uh, in, in our collective history. So what's your take on the, this language outside academia, beyond academia? That language suggests a kind of a line, which you're saying is not entirely there. I mean, I think it's, I, I think audience relations are more complicated both within the academy and outside the academy than we often, I, I want to be very careful here. I was going to say often presume, but I don't know that we necessarily presume it. It's more that we behave as if we presume it. So that we'll talk about um, doing scholarship as if that's going to speak to a a given predictable kind of audience that's bounded by the academy when in fact we know that our scholarship moves in all sorts of funny ways that we can't necessarily fully understand within the academy and outside it. 
And the same goes for working in media that might have a more public address, working on a blog, uh, for instance. It's not always clear who you're going to speak to. We know this to be the case, but this kind of town and gown way of thinking about audience remained with us nonetheless. And I think it's helping our students think more creatively about how to cross that line. Uh, and I, I think that their training, unfortunately, makes them think that there is a hard line. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that we want to encourage them to think uh, you know, that their, their work can be legible and the ways in which they can reach across the line. Uh, and, and I think that would, and it's often, I think, something that happens um, in a group, in a group conversation, and, and I think the students will help one another see the way that they're, they're, they can push the boundaries. Where there's some collaboration and there's some interdisciplinary thinking, you can think that it's not simply inside, outside, or beyond the line, that there are many different lines. Well, and I think this comes back to your initial question, which uh, we didn't answer the how. Uh, we answered the who, um, and the how really, um, I think, is another, it's a hybrid, it's a combination. It's not, you know, it's not the work itself, which you'll see in, for instance, in the ACLS Public Fellows Program, right? I mean, they basically just send students, postdocs out into the world and say, do it. Well, we kind of don't really want to send our students out there to do it without preparing them. And I think that part of the program, having the spring seminar, is really key and very appealing and attractive uh, and made the program very attractive to our students uh, as well as our faculty. I know a lot of people have said, can I sit in? <laughs> I really want to be there. Uh, and so I think everybody really is interested in engaging in this conversation, and that's partly a lot of the excitement that not only are we going to ask students to do, we're asking students to think and talk and discuss what the possibilities are, and I think that's that's the really exciting part of it. It's going to be super challenging, too, though, just mm -hmm. beginning to put together the syllabus and thinking about how to develop any kind of a common vocabulary across disciplines, some of which think they understand this problem fairly well. They know what communities are. They know what it means to do community-based research and disciplines that don't even know that they could. And properly sort of alienating the conversation for all of them has seemed to us to sort of be a key first step. We're going to start by teaching Lippmann and Dewey and the debate around public opinion as a way of maybe finding something that is, I don't know, is it general enough that no one owns it, or is it it's distance enough? That we're hoping it has that sort of sweet spot where uh, it will enable everyone to come at the problem fresh so that there can be a kind of collaboration going forward that doesn't lean on one discipline sense of what public scholarship can be. And that's one of the reasons we looked for, or we were very uh, purposeful in, in bringing together an initial cohort that was very diverse uh, in, uh, in programs and, uh, and departments uh, and projects. So what kind of which departments? What kind of so, uh, you know, we have 10 UCD participants, and of those 10 participants, I think there there's only one repeat. We have two, Engl two from history, but other than that, it's English, Native American studies, cultural studies, sociology, Spanish and Portuguese, music, uh, geography, art history. It's just, it's, it's such a, um, a broad range uh, that I'm... And that will be the challenge, right, of getting yeah. these students to talk one another in a common language. But also, 
what we did and, and, and were very purposeful in doing was bringing students who have done this, who know how to do this, who are maybe coming from the College of Ag and are in human ecology and they're more accustomed to doing a community engaged project. So people with more experience who might be able to share what that looks like. So, you know, so in terms of diversity, it was not just, you know, looking for students who, uh, uh, you know, were coming from different disciplines, but also levels of experience and familiarity with community work. Yeah. There's this kind of assumption, I think, that students don't have that experience when oftentimes a lot of them do have their hands in other things. Nice to have that kind of diversity. Um, going back a little bit, what was the inspiration for the program? So, how did it develop? How is it get funding for it? That kind of stuff. Uh, I I I trace the roots of this program to our PhD Unlimited uh, Alt Act programming that we developed here at the Humanities Institute in partnership with John. Marx, who at the time was uh, the grad director in English and uh, was very instrumental in encouraging the Humanities Institute to get in the business of mentoring on this very important topic across campus. And so um, that was partly the inspiration because we already had some programming going on, on and we had started talking to students about the need for uh, career development uh, outside and alongside the academy. So there was that. But at the same time, there, the Humanities Institute was engaged in a campus-wide discussion about how to support community-engaged scholarship, which doesn't just apply to the humanities. So there's a, a very high-level administrative discussion going on right now, um, which I won't get into, that, that brought, um, at least to the Humanities Institute's awareness, that there were faculty on, on campus who really are, are doing great work but feel like the campus isn't supporting the work that they do in the region. Um, and so we felt like this Mellon Public Scholars Program could do both, could support in the community-engaged scholarship of the, uh, the campus as well as uh, encourage our students uh, to gain experience across this career, you know, and explore diverse careers, career paths. The, the, a couple of things from PhD Unlimited. One, it seemed so important, I think, to both of us at the time to think about the DHI as a place where students could think about other than academic careers with a little bit of distance from their home department given that many of them seem sort of nervous about, about having that discussion in the same space uh, where their faculty advisors might be. I mean, it wasn't a safe space, but it, was, it had a little bit of analytic distance. It, it was also programming that we were really struggling to figure out how to reproduce. I mean, we did a big, big event to start, and then a number of smaller events, and tried to develop a kind of grad student brain trust to help us think about what this programming should be. And it, I don't know whether it's that it lacked this kind of content or uh, that because it was in the DHI, it was hard to think about how to plug it in to graduate experiences, you know, when they would need to think the kinds of thoughts or when they wanted to think the kinds of thoughts um, that we were trying to, to work with them on in PhD Unlimited. It was just hard to figure out what the, t the rhythm of that was going to be going forward. I and think a lot of it was um, the fact that this 
gives them a carrot that the yeah. PhD and limited programming come for a roundtable discussion of people who have found fabulous careers, and right. you can too. I'm like, um, I'm kind of busy studying yeah. for my quals, so I this, don't think I can make it. The seminar sort of situation seems to produce that kind of responsibility or commitment that allows for long term, yeah? Well, I, I agree, and I think because it, it, it looks like what you're doing, and it looks like what you could be doing. It, it, it's transitional in that sense, as opposed to, you know, this weird way that so much Alt-Act programming um, struggles to describe both what you've done to that point in a way that seems meaningful, uh, that seems as if you haven't been wasting your time, you have been building something. Uh, but but to to even even begin to think about what that something would be, you have to have a radically different vocabulary, or so you know much of the programming seemed to behave as if you had to have a radically different vocabulary. And we'd like to figure out another way to think about this problem than again installing that kind of big break. Mm -hmm. And if you hadn't been thinking about it, like you said, it, it feels retroactive, as if you're yeah, combing back absolutely. through all of your experiences trying to find the things that hit. I think the nice thing, yes, about about this Mellon Public Scholars Program that PhD, PhD uh, Unlimited didn't, didn't deliver is that this is easily integrated, right, into a graduate into a graduate program. The PhD Unlimited felt, I mean, granted, it wasn't a lot to ask—an afternoon or a, a morning workshop—but I mean, in the scheme of things, it was, um, you know, it was an add-on. It was an add-on, but it's something that, you know, I've just been reading grad applications, uh, a couple grad applications for the class that will come in next fall. And it's an add-on, but it's it's one that applicants increasingly know to think about. You know, so they write essays in which they say, I know that the academic job market for English PhDs remains terrible. Um, and so I'm not only thinking about being a professor when I graduate, but integrating that thought with whatever kind of programming they're going to experience, curricular programming they're going to experience along the way, is something that departments haven't resolved. We couldn't fix that mm -hmm. with PhD Unlimited. Mm -hmm. This seems like it's going to plug in to existing curriculum much more easily and also might provide a way. Be to the think, leading edge. Yeah, that's right. The Perhaps. leading edge, something like that. I also wonder if the DHI is a good place for something like this because many of the careers that are not Academic in academia don't have the kind of disciplinary lines that you get. In that, that's right. Um, just a practical question about funding. Where where is it coming from? So uh, we were very fortunate. Uh, the timing was was wonderful in that we uh, had an invitation from the Mellon Foundation to uh, give them a proposal uh, for a public for a public humanities program. Uh, and this came in uh, about a year ago, spring, just about a year ago. And that was when John and I talked to my director and I said, okay, public humanities, what is it? <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. What, you know, and so we got lots of ideas and feedback and we wrote a very brief proposal and we're, we sent it off to Mellon. They said, ask us for... Was it that brief? It was four pages. Oh, was that it? Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't say that. It was 25 pages, <laughs> it and it required tight, a really complicated budget. Full of content pages. Yes. 
So, uh, no, it was, we were really, really, uh, it was really wonderful timing, and Mellon came back and said, um, and asked us to ask for more money, so we took that as a good sign. So, uh, the, a program that we were asked to uh, deliver for 250 in two years, we ex extended to three years and $400,000. And this, really, it's become kind of a real gem, because we realized that the Mellon Public Scholars Program is a wonderful opportunity not only to expand our, our networks into the community, um, but also to fundraise uh, because people get this. I mean, people on the outside, uh, philanthropists and other foundations, we're hoping will 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 realize that the the work that we're doing here is is valuable, and they'll be willing to pitch in as well. So, I'm hoping we can get funding for it to continue. Yeah, I mean, one question I have here that I was going to ask was about how this program fit into broader trends in thinking about doctoral education in the humanities um, and thinking about, you know, MLA Task Force report on doctoral education. I think they have a similar one um, for the American Historical Association. It seems like we've kind of covered that already, but, I, but I, I'm wondering how faculty have responded or, you know, other departments have responded, and you said it was kind of a gem, and it seemed like this would be something that you know the outside can support and potentially the inside can support. I just do you think that the faculty you've spoken with understand this as an alt act style intervention? I don't know. I think that's a good question. I think that for me, we've we've received a lot of positive feedback from faculty. But again, I don't know whether they're taking the leap to understand that they need to take this back to their departments. And, and say, okay, this is, this is a way to think about how we might change the way we train our graduate students. I mean, I think they're happy to let us do the work. I don't think they're willing to take it back and say, we, we really need to rethink the, the things that we do. Uh, and, you know, this comes up in the, um, the fact that the National Endowment for the Humanities has, has made a big push, right? And there was, they just um, uh, had a call for uh, PhD next generation, next generation PhD or... And uh, they're very much interested in getting into this uh, into this realm, uh, and you know that they they don't want a Mellon Public Scholars Program. You know they view that as kind of an add-on. NEH is looking for real departmental level change, so that really is the challenge. Is is I think people are very comfortable having the Mellon Public Scholars here at DHI. I don't know. You know what what it would look like if it went through a department. I really don't, and I defer to you. Just very quickly, yeah. yeah. And then I'd love John to respond. The MLA task force. Their recommendations are redesign the doctoral program, engage more deeply with technology, reimagine the dissertation, reduce time to degree, uh, expand professionalization opportunities. So yeah, they're they're at the departmental levels. Um, I don't think they're ready for that. <laughs> uh, Sure you do. No, they're not. <laughs> I mean, that seems abundantly clear. If they were ready, they would have changed their programs. I mean, they, we. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't honestly know what it will take other than grad student pressure um, to get departments to, to rethink in the way that the NEH is talking about um, or that the MLA recommends because there are, are real important reasons not to. And those are much better represented in most English departments, for sure, than uh, in terms of, you know, 
a kind of historical sense of what the discipline has looked at like for the last couple of decades, maybe longer back, uh, a kind of investment in reproducing faculty members that are recognizable. There are real intellectually sound reasons for having investments in those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, how does the NEH even make this pitch? Do they feel like they have to have a rationale outside of, you know, abysmal job market? Because that hasn't done the trick, and the abysmal job market has been around, I mean, decades at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so there's got to be, I mean, if this public scholars program for us was a way of thinking carrot at the level of the individual graduate student, I don't know what the departmental scaled carrot looks like exactly. I can't imagine it looks like an NEH grant. Mm -hmm. I mean, how big would it have to be to constitute a bribe for a department to sacrifice something that it wants to figure out some way to hold on to? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I mean, the success of this program seems like it could be a great model to show that you know, this is attractive to students and you know not only gets the university out into the community, but then also gets students jobs afterwards. Like yeah, although I, I, I feel like the PhD Unlimited experience made me want to be incredibly modest about my expectations for what this could do. I mean, it's a course. You know, it's a course that will have a few iterations. I don't know what ramifications are reasonable It would be ha to have expect. to be a lot bigger, right? I mean, it would have to scale up. Yeah. Of 10. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I honestly, I don't know how, I mean, on the one hand, capillary change. Uh, this is how big changes happen through small things. On the other, completely unpredictable which thing is going to have that sort of effect, and I don't know. I mean, I the, it's really super appealing to me to mash up two things that have this kind of mixed history of public humanities and alt-act. Because um, two disasters should be should be perfect, right? <laughs> now we're done. But um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have huge expectations, Molly? We have a new grad dean. <laughs> I have. Possibility. I have, I've been I've been selling it up at grad studies, so we'll see. I mean, yeah. I really I, I do think this we need leadership on this issue on campus, and I'm I'm hoping that. Um, having someone new in grad studies will, will help us think uh, think harder and, and wiser about it. I think we need leadership, too, but I also think we need more experiments. And I think part of what's odd about this is that it's, it's one very limited experiment. Mm -hmm. And I would be a lot more heartened about what PhD could look like in a few years if I felt like on this campus there were nine you know, little experiments like this. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because it just doesn't seem likely that we're going to solve it, mm -hmm. uh, or that any other single operation uh, is going to solve it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with baby steps right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see where it leads. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, experimentation seems like a seed for something, and you never know what it's going to what well, we, and, and these students will go back to their departments and proselytize, you know, and, and hopefully... Unless they have a horrible, horrible time. We will make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> that won't happen. So just very briefly, do you have a few examples of some of the kinds of projects that students will be doing? Or 
Let's see. Uh, so there's a great mapping project uh, visualizing indigenous spaces on the U.S.-Canada border, and that is from um, Mike Mortimer and History. Uh, did you see one? Jeff? Yeah, I really like the one that's there, there's there's one person who's going to talk to and think with. Um, people who've been doing international volunteerism over a period of time. I'm really interested in, in that project and, and the way that that designates a different kind of public, you know, than, than some of the others. And we, this is cohort number one, and we have at least two more, two more after that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Once again, this has been Molly McCarthy, who is the Associate Director of the UC Davis Humanities Institute. I'm John Marks, who is a professor of English at UC Davis. I am Simon Abramovich, a graduate student at UC Davis. And this has been a Humanist at Work podcast. Humanist at Work is made possible by the support of the Modern Language Association's Connected Academics, preparing doctoral students of language and literature for a variety of careers initiatives. For more information, please visit our website, humework.uchri.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Humanists at Work. See ya. <laughs>